What is up, my friends? How's it going? How are you? Are you surviving this pandemic? This insane coronavirus? I hope you are. I, I hope you're wearing a face mask and uh, a Mach 10 hazmat suit as you are listening to this. hope you're all well. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Do Big Things podcast. I'm your host, Adam McRoberts, and I've got an interesting episode for you guys today. So uh, here at Big Things Crewing, our motto is do big things, and that can mean a lot of things for a lot of different people. Do big things can mean getting outside and walking around the block. It could mean training for an ultra marathon, or it could mean being brutally honest with yourself and looking at your life and seeing what's holding you back. And in this episode today, we talk about um, alcoholism, addiction, and the path to sobriety. And that's not everyone's path, but that is uh, my man's my man Aaron's path. I respect him. He's a great guy, but we cover some some heavy topics today. So just a heads up on that. Um, here at Big Things Crewing, we offer crewing and pacing for ultra marathons. Most of that is put on hiatus with this coronavirus. We still offer coaching programs. So if you're looking to get into shape, I personally have a few slots open for coaching and training plans throughout the rest of the year so if you're looking to take it to the next level uh, give me a shout or give me a shout about whatever you guys got um, if if any of this reson any of this episode resonates with you let me know um, if you don't like it let me know um, yeah I don't know that's about all I got for you guys so with that I would like to introduce you guys to my man Aaron. Take it, take us back, take us back to your childhood, and break it down for us, man. All right. So my, my story, and then how it uh, how it ultimately evolved into a death spiral of alcoholism. Exactly. That's <laughs> right. what we want to hear. All right. All right. I'll try to give you the, uh, the the abbreviated version. Okay. So I'm from uh, I'm from um, a shitty town in central Illinois. Um, I was the oldest of, of two boys, or three boys, um, so I have two younger brothers, and my parents uh, got married uh, right after high school, so they're 18 when they got married, and had me at 20, and um, I think like that right there kind of set the stage for, for what it was going to be like growing up, you know, obviously being, you know, a, a young parent is not easy. Um, and so my dad, I think had a really hard time coming to grips with all the responsibility he had, um, at a young age and, uh, you know, money was always tight. Uh, neither of my parents you know, went to college or had any kind of, uh, you know, lucrative career. What did they do? Um, so my mom has never, like, she's, you know, had a handful of jobs as I like, you know, a fucking receptionist at a dentist office or something like Same that. Same with my mom. Yeah. Yeah. But pretty much just a house mom. Yeah. Raising yeah. kids. Yeah. 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 And my dad, um, super blue collar dude, um, when I was younger, did welding type stuff. Um, 
he eventually went on to get a you know pretty good job at Coors, um, working as a call him an industrial engineer. So mm-hmm. he makes it's like a boiler operator, mm-hmm. works in a power plant mm-hmm. type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and he's had that that kind of work for like the last thirty years. But between me being born and him getting that job in the fourth when I was in the fourth grade, there was a lot of really really you know really tough times. Um, so yeah, kind of back to all that. You know, my dad was. He's fucking angry, you know. I got I got knocked around quite a bit early mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like a big big thing uh, that I remember a lot. That's uh, you know is what it is. Happens to a lot of kids. Um, Just up till you till fourth grade, or did it go on? No, no, all most of your life. Yeah, and it wasn't like he he didn't drink or anything. Neither of my friends really? did. Okay, and he wasn't like some belligerent, you know, fuck with me for no reason, like. Um, he was just really fucking hard on me, like mm-hmm. really, really hard on mm-hmm. me, and um, had a temper. And when I didn't do things the way he wanted me to do them, or didn't like, like I knew about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like this kind of whole like mentality of like not you're not good enough, you're you know you're just something's wrong with you, right? Because you're just constantly getting you know, you know, mm-hmm. just no matter what you fucking mm-hmm. do. Um, Your brothers too? No, weird. So that was Why? what was interesting. I don't know. Um, I think I think my dad you know, had a lot of regret or just a lot of guilt over how things went with me. Um, and so, yeah, my, my experience growing up was different than my two brothers, um, completely. Now we're all three super fucked up for different (laughs) reasons, right? Um, so yeah, so that was kind of my dad thing. My mom, um, she's kind of a weird lady. Um, just kind of fucked up. Um, found out later on in life, uh, my grandfather, who's like this holy rolling Christian motherfucker, um, had molested her. You know, growing up, mm-hmm. I found out extra later on later on in life that he had molested my youngest brother, who ended up becoming a hardcore heroin oh, addict. Jesus. So there's a lot of just like, it's just weird, man. It's a lot of weird, unspoken, fucked up shit, you know? Do you talk um, to your brothers about any of this? No. Really? Nope. <sighs> yeah, my, uh, no, we won't. Actually, I've never openly, my, it has never been an open conversation uh, with yeah. my brother about okay. what happened. He's very... He's kind of introverted about it. So, so yeah, so that was the deal there. We moved to Colorado. I was in the third grade. Um, I ended up growing up in Littleton, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I started, you know, like most kids, partying uh, in the 10th grade. First night I ever drank was New Year's Eve of, uh, of 10th grade. And I remember... You know, the second alcohol started taking a hold, like all of my insecurities totally melted away. Mm. And uh, I started like singing a Blink 182 song, mm-hmm. and some kid was like playing guitar along, and I was having so much fun. I ended up having sex with some cheerleader that I never would have talked to otherwise. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's that, what that, started it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that started my relationship with alcohol. Uh, yeah. Um, a big part of my story is, you know, I, I had this group of friends uh, that was very, 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 very tight. And to this day, uh, two of them are still my best friends. There's There was four of us, though. There's a dude named Shaz, a dude named Brandon, and a dude named Paul, and then me. And, you know, we, we went through high school together. We're, like, inseparable. Um, high school comes to an end, and I had no direction. Um, didn't know what I was going to do. All my, you know, two of my buddies, Brandon and Shaz, were going off to CSU. And then my buddy Paul and I... Um, we're just kind of like uh, directionless, uh, rudderless. And your parents are, your parents are still around, right? Yeah, they're married still. Still. And yeah. so, where were they when you were just getting out of high school at that point? They they were 
Still, they were there providing zero direction. Zero direction. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So they didn't want you to go to college. Didn't. Didn't. No, they, man. It was like care what you did really. Just, yeah. It was you know yeah. They, it was so weird, man. Like they were so hard on me when I was younger mm-hmm. and so on me about school. And then it's like it's almost like I don't know what shifted and why they just kind of like let up and gave up. But yeah, dude, I barely got out of high school. I think I graduated with like a two point two. Um. So yeah, I was just like, well, shit, something will happen. I always remember thinking like, well, I'll figure something out, mm-hmm. but literally no idea. Like, sure. no idea. Yeah. Um, so my buddy Paul was moving up to Summit County to snowboard. I was like, well, shit, I'll, I'll do that. Um, and then ended up moving up there with him. And like, I liked the idea of being like a Summit County snowboard bum, mm-hmm. but like, I couldn't have been further from that because... I had a job that I worked Monday through Friday up there and then, you know, could snowboard on the weekends, mm-hmm. just like I do now, with the <laughs> right. Denver, you know, yeah. 20 years later. Um, and yeah, I ended up uh, becoming a big pothead during mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. And the majority of the time I could have been up snowboarding, I was laying in my bed, super stoned, <laughs> not doing anything, mm-hmm. you know? And so, so that kind of like, even though I got drunk, you know, that kind of like in, in high school and partied and stuff that didn't really like I didn't have that like habitual piece yet um pot is actually like where the addiction really took off Mm. and I and I you know habitually smoked pot day in day out for many years um so I ended up getting married pretty young like 20 I think I was 22 or 23 Mm. um still partying yeah like you know, but not out of control, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely drank too much from time to time. So did so did my now wife. Mm-hmm. You know, we party, went out together, and mm-hmm. groups of friends, and you know, did what a lot of early twenty somethings do. Mm-hmm. Um, we definitely had some like super. Uh, what's the word when you get in like a psycho fight with your partner? Uh, some super intense. Uh, arguments even from like early on like just great like crazy drunk drunk drunken arguments yeah okay okay um and so we ended up getting married um and uh it's really interesting looking back you know so what fucking 15 16 years later after getting married that we for whatever reason decided we we should get married but we did and um not Maybe a year, maybe a couple years after getting married, it really annoyed her that I smoked weed all the time. Mm. You know, because this is fucking, you know, it's not like I was this outgoing, like, creative stoner. I was fucking lazy. Mm-hmm. So I'd get high and just lay there and just not want to do anything. Yeah. And I didn't fuck dirt, mm-hmm. like, rightfully so. For sure. So I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to quit smoking pot, you know. And uh, the day I was going to quit smoking, or the day I quit smoking pot, I uh, I decided to pick up a half pint of Jameson on the way home. Um, and I had the entire thing drank before I got home. And like literally it turned on a switch. Like I became, that was like the day I became an alcoholic. Mm. You know, even though I'd been drinking for eight, 10 years recreationally, mm-hmm. like that day, for whatever reason, it filled a void. It, it, it quenched a thirst mm-hmm. that just took off. Um, Why do you think that is? I don't know, man. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, clearly you were looking for something in your life, but that's weird that it would just take off like that. 
Yeah, there was something about the the, the, the warmness mm. in my stomach from drinking mm-hmm. hard alcohol quickly, mm-hmm. um, and the immediate kind of euphoria and, and and just and disconnect from reality, it, and it just like it it took hold of me. Mm. Um, was that the day like you fell in love with booze and and all of a sudden you just loved it, or um, was was it something different than that? Bro, no, like from that day, I started drinking every day okay. for years and years and yeah. years and years yeah. and years, and it progressively got crazier and crazier. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it's it's so wild that I can trace it back to that day, huh. and like I like I always say, it was just like the flip of a switch. Wow. Like it was, that was it. Huh. And, um, you know, I was always, I guess what you call like a functional alcoholic for, for the most part, mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I wouldn't drink before work, I wouldn't mm-hmm. drink during work, but I did a lot of... Like a lot of dumb shit mm-hmm. and would it would black out and you know and it just it got worse and worse and worse you know mm-hmm. and, you know years later um you know and it would get you know i get into situations with my wife that are bored that were borderline if not full-on abusive mm-hmm. where you know i i shove her or i throw something at her or she mm-hmm. you know throw something at me or you know i mean just not healthy things for sure um she drank in the same way no so she never Drank as frequently as I did. Mm-hmm. She definitely got fucked up though. Yeah. And when she got fucked up and I was fucked up, pretty certain things were going to be fucked up. Hurricane meets tornado. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I mean that, that became my life on repeat for years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whiskey was my drink of choice for, for a long, long time. And, yeah. um, Jameson. I do well, you know. I drink Jameson for a while, and I drink Evan Williams for a while because Jameson was too expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so yeah, I was a big big whiskey guy. I was um, a Jack. What's that? Jack Daniels for me. Oh, drink a lot of Jack yeah, Daniels, man. Yeah. Uh, that was my thing. It's too. It's just. I don't even know what's the. I don't know how to describe why I don't like Jack. But you know, the weirdest thing. I remember the first time I took a drink of Jack. I was like, I've had this before. Like, this is a very familiar taste. Yeah. And I was talking about this with somebody, the other, with Beth the other day. It's like, <clears throat> I don't know if it was from, like, a past life or what it was, but as soon as I drank it, it was a very, very familiar, distinct taste. And I was just like, huh? mm. something just woke up in me, and, and that was that was my drink yeah. for whatever reason. It's like, I think it tastes like licking a garage floor. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, whiskey, uh, where things started, like, you know, and this is the part of my story where the guilt and the shame and the regret really kind of started, started manifesting, or at least I'm sure there were plenty of situations prior to this mm-hmm. where guilt, shame, and regret, you know, should have been a part of it. At least for me, like where my head goes, it starts when my wife got pregnant with my, my son, Helen. How old were you? Well, shit. He is going to be nine in April, and I just turned 38. So, 29. Okay. Right? <laughs> That's right, man. Um, and yeah. so, you know, I never I never thought I wanted kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Aubrey had a son named Bryce, who's 17 now, and he was uh, two and a half, I think, when we started dating. Mm. And so I was like, oh, I've got this stepson that I've got 50% of the time, and and I, I really love Bryce, uh, especially when he was younger. I love him now too, but you know, it's, I feel a little disconnected from him. But 
you know, I was like, so I've got the best of both worlds. I've got this, you know, halftime kid, and I don't, I don't want my own children. And um, so when I found out Aubrey was pregnant, it was just like, fuck. And I started really acting out. You know, I, I started drinking harder. Mm-hmm. I was angry. Um, I was thinking, you know, I was I remember thinking I didn't want to be with her, and that once she had the baby, I was gonna have to figure out how we we're gonna get the board. Like it was fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that turned to me. Like, I was just such an unsupportive prick. Uh, during her whole pregnancy and I, I, I'll never forgive myself for that you know she was she was putting herself you know she was going to nursing school um, you know she'd come home from these like 12 hour rotations and pregnant and I'm like fucking hammered because mm. should I just really regret you, know? you going to school at this time? so at that at this time so my my, my college career spanned many many years and I guess that kind of goes back to you know I didn't know what I was going to do with my life right mm-hmm. and I remember at one point I met some dude who was like, you know, you can go to community college with like no SAT or ACT and then you can transfer to a university. And I had no idea that was a possibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, that shows how little like guidance my parents gave me. Mm-hmm. I was like, no shit. Mm-hmm. And so um, I enrolled in uh, community college of Denver. Okay. I think I did a year and then I took a bunch of years off again or took a bunch of years off and then I ended up going back like hardcore after Aubrey and I got married because her mom was pretty much like, bro, you're mm-hmm. gonna, you and his family, you gotta fucking figure something out. Mm-hmm. So I think I initially wanted to be a physical, physical therapist, so I was studying biology. Um, Aubrey was also a biology major. Um, I really struggled with chemistry. And I remember one day she was like, dude, what don't you get about this? And I was just like so frustrated. I took the chemistry book and threw it and then didn't go to school again for another year. Um, ended up deciding, oh, I can still be in healthcare, uh, but I can study health administration. So I ended up going back and finishing my bachelor's in health administration, and I graduated with that degree when I was probably 28. Mm. So I think, you know, college spanned, I think, seven, eight years, really, Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. I got my bachelor's. Um, So during this time, no, I was not going to school. Mm -hmm. Um, She had finished her bachelor's degree and was now in nursing school. And so I was working uh, up in Boulder, starting my starting my career in health administration. Okay. Yeah. And um, so yeah, so we have you know she gives birth the night she gives birth. I'm so hammered. It takes her, I think, ninety minutes to wake me up out of bed. I drive her to the hospital, fucking shit faced. Um, my little boy's coming into the world at like five a.m. I'm going into a hangover. Mm. And so not long after Kellen was born, Aubrey came home one day. I'd been with him all day. He was probably six months old. And I was, I, I, I drank damn near a handle of Jameson throughout mm-hmm. the day. And I was just toasted trying to take care of this infant. Do you remember like what your thought process was at the time? Were you like, was there something internal going on? Or were you freaking out about having a kid? Or um, were you not thinking at all? I think, dude, I think I was so... Far from actually being able to have any idea of who I was or what I stood for or what I believed, I, I there, there was nothing logical. Just lost. Yeah, leading leading my mm-hmm. thoughts and actions. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would rationalize my behavior. Um, you know, I finished college. Like that was such a big deal to me finishing yeah. college because I never thought. You know, I graduated high school with a two point two, and mm-hmm. you know, never thought I was gonna. So back then, like that was a big result. Got full blown alcoholic. Surely don't finish college, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just this, this, this lying, you know, this perpetual lying I'm telling right. myself. And and then I remember too, like I said, the compulsion to drink was like insane. 
You know, I can remember so many times back then taking care of him as a baby. I'd be putting that bottle up to my lips being like, bro, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Yet still just tilt my head back and, mm-hmm. and, and down it went. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, it's like I, I'd be saying, what am I doing? What am I doing? And then saying that until the point where it's too late and I, I can't even take care of this baby. Mm-hmm. So she comes home and I'm just toasted. And that's when it was like, okay, you got a problem and you need to do something about it. Mm-hmm or you need to figure something else out. Mm-hmm. And I think that scared me. It's yeah, it scared me. Um, was that a strict ultimatum? Because that's not when things changed for you, was it? No, Fuck, not even close dude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was just the first bottom. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even a bottom. I yeah. guess it was a fuck. Just a point in the drinking career. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you know, and at that time recovery, fucking sobriety, mm-hmm. AA, like mm-hmm. AA was like the butt of fucking, you know, joke. Yeah. You know, yep. um, you know, so I, I enrolled in like an outpatient rehab program. Literally, I remember the day, like I was calling to get information in my head. I'm like thinking, I just got to learn how to fucking slow down. Control it. Yeah. Slow yeah. my roll. Drink, mm-hmm. drink, you know, mm-hmm. drink normally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I get in there and they start talking about, you know, complete sobriety, you know, total abstinence. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, just like, you know, I can just still remember like, you know, we can, I think anybody that struggles with addiction can relate to that first time you start trying to wrap your head around never using that drug of choice again. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, I, I you can't, the same way I can't understand how a person drinks for any other reason than to get super fucked up. I remember not being able to wrap my head around not ever using a mind-altering substance again. Mm-hmm. So it was like a struggle from the get-go. You know, this program really recommended uh, uh, AA and shit. And so, you know, I went to some meetings, but I wasn't, you know, I was not, yeah, I was not feeling chilling it. in the back and just like, whatever. You were like 29, 30? Yeah, 29, 30. Okay. Yeah, 30. Yeah. Um, in fact, I remember, yeah, right for my 30th birthday, I already got me Radiohead tickets. Radiohead's one of my you know, favorite bands. Mm. And, um, in fact, I have a Radiohead tattoo on my Oh, uh, dude. I saw them at Alpine Valley in Milwaukee. It was one of the best shows I've seen. Oh, yeah, man. Dude. Yeah, Tom York. Ah, uh, that's cool. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she bought me Radiohead because they fucking, you know, they don't come from Denver, but they came through Denver right before they played Coachella. It was the King of Limbs album, mm. and I saw it at the First Bank Center. It was fucking amazing. But I remember I had just started this, you know, trying to get shit figured out. Mm-hmm. And I remember I drank like a beer, two beers and a whiskey mm-hmm. th- through the whole show. Mm-hmm. And that was like, I was like, you know, see, I'm cured. I've conquered it. Yeah, I'm only drinking, you know, and, and like that's where my head was at then. Yeah. Um, so that lasted a handful of months. Um, I don't remember how or when or what. Um I, I was going to one AA meeting regularly. It was a really small meeting. It was a big book study. Some really nice people, some good guys. Um, I, I, I didn't have a sponsor. I wasn't working the steps. Uh, I just went and, and talked about my drinking and, and, and once a week and, and felt like, you know, felt like I was doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, that ultimately, you know, I relapsed. Um, it, it, it went really bad for a while. Um, I ended up leaving Aubrey, mm-hmm. um, moving out. Kellen was probably... Two, two and a half years old at this point. Um, I, I, I blamed all my drinking on Aubrey. And, you know, if you weren't a bitch, I wouldn't drink, you know. Mm-hmm. 
There was zero self, you know, zero accountability, zero self exploration or examination mm-hmm. as to what my role was and, and how this all, how it all played mm-hmm. together. I can relate. So moved out, um, got a, a little apartment not too far away. Um, a week or two after I moved out, I went to a bachelor party in Lake Tahoe. And I remember, I'm pretty fucking sure I came home that Sunday evening from Lake Tahoe with alcohol poisoning. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I, can, I just remember vividly coming back to this apartment that I now lived in by myself. Coming home was a cold January day. It was just bleak. It was, you know, walking into this apartment and like, that's it. It's just me. There's mm-hmm. nobody there. Mm-hmm. And I got really, really sick. And for a few days, I was sweating really bad and dry heaving. And so, yeah, I'm pretty pretty sure I had alcohol poisoning. Mm-hmm. Poison. And at that point, I had the most, I, I think it was the emptiest and loneliest I ever felt. Um, and so... No, it's not the emptiest and loneliest I ever felt, clearly. But it was pretty shitty. <laughs> and I immediately regretted breaking up with Aubrey. And I called her the mm-hmm. next day and told her I made a mistake and wanted to get back. And she's like, fuck you. <laughs> you fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. So um, a few months later, I took another stab at sobriety. Um, and I, I, I got... I, Started, I started going to AA, started taking it a little Back more Back to the same meeting that you've been no, going to? Different no. And I went to the fucking rehab thing again. Okay. I'm still paying for that shit. Really? Um, yeah. Outpatient program? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm still paying for that. Um, and uh, yeah, I started going to uh, this meeting called York Street. Um, if anybody, anybody that lives in Denver, York Street is kind of considered this like mecca in the recovery community. It's this huge Victorian house. Uh, in downtown Denver with, you know, just tons of sobriety. It's, it's a very like coveted place. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I started going there, uh, got a sponsor and, and, and was, was, was fucking making a run at it. Was making, mm-hmm. you know, was, mm-hmm. was trying, trying to walk the walk. Mm-hmm. Um, but were you doing it for yourself or were you doing it to try and get Aubrey back or? It's hard to say. Yeah. You know, it's hard to say. In retrospect, I'd say it was probably to try to get Aubrey back. Yeah. But if you'd asked me when I was in it, I mean, it felt it felt real. It sure. felt, or, you yep. know, it felt yep. felt sincere. Got it. Um, yep. You know, and I, I ultimately, you know, I'll spare you all the fucking details because we've already been talking for twenty five minutes. We're good, man. You know, we we uh, I don't know. It didn't it didn't stick. Mm-hmm. You know, I I managed to put. So I got out sober. I got. I tried to get sober that May, that following New Year's Eve. I relapsed once, like I, I drank that New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Went back into the, the the rooms, stayed sober. And so, did you go back into the rooms and tell them what happened? Yeah, told Let them, them what happened. Relapsed. Yeah, yep. yep. we continued to work together. Okay. Um, and I made it to that August. So I guess from May, May to January, sober, relapsed. January to August, so what is that? Fucking year and a half or yeah, so. Yeah. With 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 you know with one. Okay. So wait a year and a half and then and drink once. Yep. Um and then that 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 August, um, my best friends I was telling you about. Oh my god, it's totally skipped a huge huge portion of my story. Can That's I just right. pause and, for sure. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So my boy Paul moved up there to Summit County with him, mm-hmm. right? 
that following uh, that following um, year when you were back down, he and I were in a big fight over some dumb shit. Um, my other buddy Shaz, who's still one of my best friends, we ran into him at a at a gas station. I said, "Don't tell Paul we're going up to Fort Collins to party tonight." I'm fucking pissed at him still. Really mad at him. Um, that next morning, I got a call at 10 a.m. from Paul's sister. Paul hung himself in mm. his uh, in his garage. Mm. So that was a big part of my. I can't believe I skipped over that. We got into the pot in Summit County, and then we skipped over his suicide. And yeah. Right to Audrey. Um, and actually, that first tattoo I got was this one. This was a Jamie Lynn painting. Because Jamie Lynn's a famous snowboarder, mm. old school. This is something he drew for Le Tech. Okay. My Paul was really, really into Jamie Lynn's art. So that was that was huge. I carried a, carried a lot of guilt for a long time over that. And that was someone you'd known for years, right? Yeah, yeah. We all became homies in, in fourth grade. For sure. Uh, Shaz and Paul and, wow. and I, and then Brandon came when we were juniors or sophomores in high school, but we were, you know, thick as thieves. For sure. Um, so that was a, a huge piece. So sorry. Now no. going back to where I'm at uh, mm-hmm. with, you know, it's that August after spending a year and a half with only taking a drink, uh, one time. Um, I was at Shaz's bachelor party, and that's what reminded me of Paul. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, Shaz's bachelor party, and I decided, you know, fuck, I can smoke a little weed. Mm-hmm. Um, coincidentally, that same day, literally that same day, Aubrey had texted me that she'd be willing to go on a date. So we had been separated at that point for close to two years. Wow. Right? Living completely apart, you know, sharing Kellen 50 50. Um, Amicably, or. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole fucking time I was trying to get her to, you know, get back with me, and mm-hmm. she was like, "You're fucking crazy." Mm-hmm. I like wore her down, and I'm sure she regrets that. Um, so, anyways, yeah, yeah. So I started, I started smoking pot daily. Um, Shaz's wedding was that January in Costa Rica, and at this point. I totally ceased AA, like ceased going to AA, mm. and you know, just, just and it wasn't like I was, it wasn't like a conscious, you know, fuck AA. It was more just like mm, got better things to do, and just slowly but surely, kind of slid out of it. Was there like shame there, as far as like, because I imagine your sponsor probably called you or tried to get a hold of you, yeah, or how yeah. did all that? I think I just ghosted him, really, like, the same way you would yeah. a chick, right? Yeah, like, you yeah. know, just kind of. And he was a super cool dude. Mm. Um, in fact, I actually heard Bill not so long ago that he, he's been out drinking for a while. Which really? Is sad. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, I just kind of was like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I made a conscious decision that I was going to drink at Shaza's wedding. I told all my friends ahead of time that we're going to Costa Rica. I'm the best man in this wedding. I'm going to drink. Mm-hmm. So then I relapsed. So that would be the third third time. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? The third time. Okay. Um, that, you know, I had gone a significant period and gone back out. So this was my third, third time back out. Um, and I, I did manage to put the drink down after the wedding um, and came home and, and thought things were going to be cool and thought I, you know, finally had it licked. It just took a while to figure out my, my limits. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've learned now is that once you're an alcoholic, um, you will always find your way back to drinking the way you did. And it may take a week, it may take a month, it may, it may take two months, it may take a fucking year, but you will drink the way you drink before once again. Yeah. And that was my experience. Um, How long did it take? It took, it took 10 months until it was balls of the wall again. 
That's quite a while. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd go a couple weeks in between, a month in between. Mm-hmm. Um, That's some willpower. I, yeah, I, I don't know if it was. Yeah, it was something. Yeah. Was, you know. For sure. Um, what was it like drinking with a head full of AA? Was it different? Were you able to enjoy yourself? I was because I was in full on denial. Okay. You know, I was. I. It was almost like. You know, it was almost like I put all the the, the shit I had learned about sobriety and, and, and recovery and locked it in a closet in my head and, and wouldn't open it. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, there was a lot of like, what the fuck, you know, mm-hmm. like that. I remember that first, I mean, I cried in Costa Rica, like, what do I do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, so that, so again, it's Christmas. Aubrey and I are fully back together. Okay. We decide we're going to build a house together. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know that I'm had drank again in Costa Rica, Ooh. you know, and, and then, so our house ends up being done 10 months later that mm-hmm. October, mm-hmm. the day we move into that house, um, I went to a liquor store and I drank like, even though I drank a couple few times, it, it, I don't know. It was like, that was the, it was back to that same shit. Okay. Um, and then within not very long, I had moved from uh, whiskey to vodka cause I thought vodka had less calories and you couldn't smell it yeah, as much. Sure. <laughs> and um, and that last and then so between the time so that was October of twenty sixteen and my sobriety date is February 9th of twenty nineteen. So we're talking a little over three years of just spiraling. Mm. Spiraling mm. into just the uh, the ship that the book talks about, right? You know, mm-hmm. the darkness. Yeah, the four horsemen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I, 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 fuck, man, it was bad, and it was day drinking every day uh, between a you know half pint and a pint, throwing up a lot of times in the morning, sweating. Um, I, I gained so much weight, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't even like bending over to tie my shoes. Hurt like every day. I was just like a fucking smoked sausage like just like, <laughs> like my like my organs were like I can't even explain it we um, drinking straight vodka mm-hmm. no mixer fuck no before work or during work at all never before work never okay. during work okay. um, always after work in yep. my car you know yep. I, on the way home stopping yeah. at a liquor store yep 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 yep, 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 yep. how was your wife handling all this I think she was, uh, she was freaked the fuck out because now she's, you know, now she's like in deep with me. We've got this house, we're back together. Mm -hmm. I think she was just like mortified. And in my head, I'm thinking it's, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. I'll manage it. It'll be fine. You know, all the shit we tell ourselves. Were you guys talking about it? We were fighting about it. Fighting about it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I can only imagine what it feels like to be with somebody for so long and not know which version of them you're going to get when the door opens mm. in the evening. Yep. You know? Because yep. um, I was, man, and, and that's the thing too, man. Towards the end, I was so angry. Like, I turned, I, I, you know. So you weren't a happy drunk? Fuck no, man. Are I you turned, angry all the time, or? I I don't know. I, I, you'd have to ask Aubrey. I, I would say I was very isolative. Mm-hmm. Um is that a word? Isolating? Isolated? Whatever. Yeah. I isolated a lot. Yeah. Um, and then when we, as long as I could just be left alone, things would be fine. Yep. If she tried to say anything, you know, at this point, I've got a, a pretty healthy career mm-hmm. that, you know, pays good money. And, you know, I 
managed to somehow get a master's degree. And yeah. so, I mean, if I thought I deserved a drink after a fucking bachelor's degree, well, shit, you know, several years later with a master's degree and a, a, a high paying job and mm-hmm. all this shit, oh, you know, yeah. I'm fine. For sure. You know, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it was, it was lonely. It was angry. It was a lot of nights. I slept on my couch for months. Mm. Um, not sleeping in the same bed. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and the, and the, again, the kids, like, the, the shit they're witnessing, the things they're hearing me say um, to their mother, mm. um, sometimes in a blackout, I don't even remember. It's just, it's not right. Yeah. You know, and then yeah. there's, you know, I can, you know, and, and looking back, I can rationalize all the fuck, yeah, I want, I don't, it wasn't right. Right. Um, yeah. So... So, like I mentioned, my so my current sobriety date is February 9th, 2019. So, I've been sober for, what, going on 14 months. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, this is the longest I've ever, you know, longest uh, amount of continuous, um, genuine, continuous sobriety I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what was different for me this time is I, you know, I hit, a, I hit, you know, I, I the night, the, uh, the night before my sobriety date, was a, a night like many others. Mm-hmm. Um, I had I was really mad at Aubrey that day. She had done something that pissed me off, and I came home and I, you know, I drank my pint and we got in a fight and I went out and I got another pint and we kept fighting and I, you know, was screaming at her, told her I was going to kill her. I thought, you know, um, and, and this is very spotty because mm-hmm. I, I was half blacked out. Mm-hmm. I ended up taking her throne phone and like chucking it, and she was scared shitless mm-hmm. because. A few months prior to that, in a blackout, I had I had I had put my my head, I was like choking her. Mm. I don't even dude. I don't remember any uh, of this. That's the worst. My little brother, who thank God lived with us at the time, came out and was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Mm. I still to this day can't even don't remember it. Mm-hmm. And so this time, a few months later, she's like, "This motherfucker is laying hands on me." Like yeah. I'm, she's scared, so she calls cannon. Yep. Yeah, she calls the police. Rightfully so. Mm. And um, and you know. They, they take me to jail. Mm-hmm. You know, I woke up that, that, that morning, February 9th, thinking I was going to be out of jail that, you know, by noon. It's my first time in jail. I'm like, well, you know, I'll be right out. You know, I, I knew where I'd left the rest of my bottle. I was planning to, oh, I just got to get home. And, Isn't that crazy? That, yeah. That's, the th- that's what you're thinking. Yeah, I get Because I just wanted, I'm like, I just got to get home, get this fucking, you know, I'm going to slam this bottle mm-hmm. and I'm going to go to sleep and yeah. just forget about all this. Uh, yeah. And, um... <clears throat> It didn't work out that way. I went and saw the judge or whatever the fuck they're called. And um, she was like, you're not going anywhere. Um, she's like, I'm, you know, based on the nature of your charge, I'm not letting you leave without an ankle monitor. Mm. Um, and they only put ankle monitors on Monday or on, on weekdays. So this was like Saturday. And so I ended up spending the rest of Saturday, all of Sunday, and then the majority of Monday um, in jail. And then that's when I was like, fuck. What's the ankle monitor for? To keep you at home? To keep me away from Aubrey. It was a domestic violence charge. So did she file a restraining order? Um, I had a restraining order against me. Okay. Okay. You know, and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I honestly don't know if, uh, I don't know. Yeah. If it was, I, I never really asked if she filed it or if the police, how, you know. Sure. I didn't really care. Yeah. Whatever it was, it was like, yeah, I was like a fucking animal. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I came back from seeing that judge, and for some, I mean, knowing I was going to spend two days in jail, like, felt like fucking, it might as well have been two years. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it, it was fucking 
just felt shitty. Yeah. You know, it felt empty and hopeless. And are you in a bunk be- bunk beds with other other guys in jail, or you have a cell to yourself, or what was it like? No, man. You got so they they call it a see they got they they call the whole area a pod. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I think there are either four or five pods per floor, and then or, or no no I'm so they not okay so there's one big pod. They, and then they have these things called caves. And there's eight beds a cave, five caves, caves per floor, and then two floors. Okay. And so you've got like, you know, seven or eight other dudes in your immediate little area. Mm-hmm. But then you can come out and like walk around and just walk around. Got it. That's it. Like yeah. literally, it's like, it's like fucking like cows do, doing laps. So it's like just a bunch of dudes in orange suits just mm-hmm. walking circles around mm-hmm. this, this room. Um so that yeah, so that was wild, um, and it, it was that same empty, hopeless feeling I had when I came back from that bachelor party to that you know that cold, empty apartment, just mm-hmm. despair. Um, and they had a, an Alcoholics Anonymous big book, right? Mm. And I I picked it up, and I flipped uh, to how it works, you know, chapter five on page fifty eight, and I just read the the first you know. The first handful of lines, which is, you know, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. And so I just thought about, like, have I ever thoroughly followed this recommended path? Mm-hmm. Um, have I ever given myself to anything? Mm. You know, certainly had to give it to the program. Had I had I given myself to anything other than my you know own fucking selfish self will, and that's then, a and tough then, realization right there. And then third, um, I you know constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. No, I've never mm-hmm. been honest with myself a day in my fucking life. Really. Um, so that was kind of like the jumping off point for me, where it like I was like, I'm gonna get out of here, and I, something's got to give. Like something's got to give. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, man, I got out of the jail. So that was rock bottom, though. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Something about that jail, man. <laughs> that whole experience. Yeah, don't want to go back there again. Yeah, I mean, and I know, like you know, whatever. A lot of people are pretty familiar with it, but yeah. Well, yeah, no, I get it. I mean, that's just, a that's a good rock bottom right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just being handcuffed in front of my house, like yeah, yeah, just something about that was very yeah. just desperate. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Humiliating, um, humbling. Yeah, yeah, but it, it, it took. It, it, it had to. I, it, if I would have gotten out that day at noon, that wouldn't have been enough. Mm, like I yeah. needed that three days to like for it to all the the gravity of it to kind of kind of set sink in. in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, that was uh, so that was that was I guess you know, and so a lot of times in meetings I'll, I'll say you know it took eight years to get a year. Mm. Um, and that's 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 kind of my my mm-hmm. story, right? It took mm. it took you know finding out at thirty that I had an issue for sure. And then here I am at thirty eight uh, with the years sobriety. Wow, so unreal. Yeah, yeah. And you know, um, you know, you mentioned early on, you know, you want to give a shout out or a plug, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, there's lots of ways to get sober. Um, you know, and I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not one to claim the the right, wrong, or whatever way. But you know, AA has has been what has kept me on the on the path, and not because 
it's not helped me figure out how to not drink. It's just helped me figure out how to work towards being a better person, a more spiritual person that doesn't, you know, doesn't have to drink. Um, mm. And yeah, you know, that's... Is it... Uh, what is it about AA do you think that's helped? Is it like meeting with other people in the community or um, the book itself or the principles it tries to lay down? Or I think all of it together. I think yeah. the steps work, you know, once you, you know, synergistically and you apply them and think about them um, constantly, you know, and try to apply them to, to everything you do, you know, and, 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 the, and, and the grace that the program offers, right? You know, you and I have talked about this, you know, the, it's uh, progress, not perfection. Yeah. And knowing that, man, I'm still a flawed human and I'm going to fuck up and I'm going to be, you know, I might be an asshole or I might, you know, do this, do that. But like, as long as I, at the end of the day, I think about that and I take responsibility for the actions I, I, I made and, and I try to make those right, you know, my next available opportunity, mm-hmm. like the, you know, things like that are just leading me towards being a better person. If I can take a good, hard look at, you know, what my, my character defects are, what mm-hmm. my flaws are and, uh, and understand those and, 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 and try to have them removed, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's just constant work on, on self-improvement. And some days I'm more inspired than others. And we're in the middle of some heavy fucking shit right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, it's scary, you know, and I, I've heard a lot of people in these online meetings lately talk about how this program is what's keeping them from, from having fear and anxiety and, and, and are able to just be at peace with whatever it, it, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And I think about that and I, I'm trying to apply those principles and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm scared, man. You know, I'm, sure. I'm, you know, yeah. It's a scary time. We don't know what's going to happen. No, but I can tell you why, man. Fuck. If I were drinking right now, it would be, it would, it would be extra fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, you're able to be more honest with yourself now though, right? I mean, when you were 30 years old, you said there was really no honesty with with you and yourself. You weren't able to look at yourself with a with a clear mind. Yeah. And so now, is it like a, the daily inventory that you're doing, or what is it that changed so that you're able to look at yourself in, in more of an honest way now? God. Or okay. just maturity. I mean, maybe that just comes with no, maturity. No. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that that's it. Um, maybe it's finally like getting at some kind of understanding of like what I like to do and who I am and what I stand for, mm. you know, and having mm. a foundation to build on, mm. um, you know, because you get into, when you're in the, you know, when you're in your active addiction, you're in this vicious cycle of fuck, I hate who I am. I hate the things I do. I, I you know, for me, yeah, there was so much self-loathing yes. and hatred and inadequacy that I couldn't bear to be in my own skin. Mm-hmm. And the only way to deal with that was to drink. And then Drinking made me a shittier person, mm-hmm. and I hate myself more. So what I do, you drink when you just get in that cycle. And mm-hmm. Finally, getting a little time, you know, sober and 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 and, and chipping away at the uh, at the stone that had kind of formed around my heart, you know, just I think that's that's what you're just breaking that cycle and, and and trying to build off of that. And as far as right now, like on the day to day, you know. When, when, when we're not in an apocalypse, I, you know, go to a meeting almost every day at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. And, and try to at least start my day um, in the right headspace and, and, you know, get inspired by other people and what they're doing. And, yeah, I mean, you know, I go to work and I'll still get fired up about shit. But, you know, I just, all I have is today, you mm-hmm. know, you hear that a lot. And, mm-hmm. 
if I can start my day with some some inspiration, you know, that's helpful. Um, some days it's reading a book, you know, some days it's praying, some days it's talking with another alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of times too, man, it's, it's playing the whole thing through. You know, if I were to, you know, take a drink right now and, and you know, what, what's, what, you know, if that's A, if taking a drink is A, what's B, C, D, and E? Yeah, you're able to look ahead and see how, how that would spin out. Yeah, yeah. what, you know, the guilt I have over fucking being drunk during my son's birth, dude, the ramifications he will face from having a drunk father at nine mm-hmm. versus one mm-hmm. or much greater. You know what I mean? Like just my, my, yeah, I, I, I can't bear the thought of fucking him up anymore. I can't sure. bear the, you know, I, I gotta, I got, we got a finite time mm-hmm. amount of time on this planet and I gotta, I gotta make things right, you know, mm-hmm. moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that keeps me, keeps me going. I think the community too, man, like just having some people that can understand it, you know, mm-hmm. you know I've talked a lot in this conversation about my best friends. They still don't get it. They still don't get that I'm an alcoholic. They support me and they, it's not like they try to get me to drink, mm-hmm. but they, 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 because they never saw the Aaron slamming vodka in his room alone. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They never, they never saw the dude put his hands on his wife or mm-hmm. belittling, you know, or having a fucking freak out, you yeah. know? Yeah. You know, we'd go out and we'd all get hammered. For sure. And that's, and that's what they saw. Yep. You know, they, and my wife told me this one time, I said, you know, it seems like everybody else in the world loves you. Why don't you? She goes, because the rest of the world gets a different version of you, mm. you know, and that, that's something I, 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 I can, uh. Yeah, I believe that's a tough pill to swallow, though. Yeah, that's tough hearing that, but I can relate, man. I can relate. Well, <clears throat> what would you, uh, if you could go back and uh, tell your thirty-year-old self one thing, what would that be? You know, it would it would be start figuring out how to love yourself now. Mm. Like it, it would it would be you know do some untangling of, of that belief that was put in my head at a young age that I wasn't mm-hmm. good enough, mm-hmm. um, that I, you know, something was wrong with me. I was bad and, 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 and figure that out because that's, I think, well, you know, that's what allowed the cycle to repeat over and over and over again, because I never was able to, you know, really love myself. And mm-hmm. dude, I'd be joking to you if I told you like right now, I'm going to give myself a big fucking hug and that I love and in love with myself, but I can look in the mirror Yes. Today, yeah. without like wanting to punch it, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I believe that that's just going to keep you know keep getting better. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I have faith that if I just as cliche as it sounds, keep coming back, mm-hmm. um, more good is going to happen. Because I can tell you, <clears throat> a lot more good has come in the last fourteen months of me continuing to go to AA and, and work a program than the uh, previous fourteen months before. Yeah. You know, just being out drinking. Yeah. You shared that with me and, and giving me hope in that sense too. Just like keep coming back. It, it's going to like, that's what everyone says. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. Right. You know, <clears throat> um, do you have a relationship with your dad now or what's that like? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I do. So him and my mom ended up getting divorced five or six, seven years ago, maybe. She had a full-on fucking nervous breakdown. Mm. Got super into pills and mm-hmm. uh, was fuck. I mean, God, there's so much trauma there. It's not even funny. Mm. And to this, and then now it's like 
she like won't acknowledge that it was a very fucking traumatic time for my little brothers and just a whole bird like she she just pretends like nothing ever happened so that's super weird wow um and my dad's remarried now um so this is super super cool lady and um yeah I do have a relationship with him and recently he he tried to kind of make amends with me mm-hmm. um and asked if there was like anything I wanted to say to him about that and what was that like? It was interesting. Um, I commend him for, for doing that. Um, we have a relationship, and I and I, I still have some work to do around fully like letting go and forgiving mm-hmm. any of those weird you know feelings from mm-hmm. from way back when that I have. Ultimately, you have a good relationship, and he's a, he's a good man. I love him for sure. Uh, was he uh, abused as a kid too? Yeah, man. You know, really? he was, and his dad was abused, and yeah. you know, that's that's how it's a cycle. It's a cycle, you yeah. Know? And you got to break that cycle. Yeah, at anger, you yeah. know. And, and then yeah. I'm very grateful to be able to say that I, you know, I don't accuse Kellen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, fuck, I drove drunk with him a shit ton, but you know, <laughs> hey, that's in the past, and you know, you got time to make up for that now. All you can do yeah. is is be positive moving forward, and you know, I'm sure you're a great dad now. I mean, yeah, I'd like to think so. Just you know. think of where it could have gone. It right. could have gone way worse. Well, those are the things sobriety can afford you. You know, all the material stuff, all the all the all the stuff. You know, this this false identity. Those aren't the things that are really important to kids, right? You know, the the relationships, the mm-hmm. the, the time, the, mm-hmm. the playing karate, the going mm-hmm. on bike rides, the snuggling and watching movies. I mean, that's the things that... That's what they're going to remember. That's what your kids want, mm-hmm. you know? And and uh, and I, I he, yeah, there's just so much genuine love there that I couldn't give or receive if I were still uh, yeah. drinking like I was. Yeah, that's the thing, man. There's like a wall there if you're yeah. still using, you know? Um, yeah. For whatever reason, it's it's hard to love or just have that empathy if, if you're drinking a lot. But, yeah, man. So, um, like wrapping up, I guess, um, for all my many, many listeners, <laughs> I'm no Joe Rogan, man. This is, this podcast world is completely new to me. I'm no interviewer either, but like, what would you say if anyone were to hear this and maybe they're, they're on the fence and, you know, maybe, maybe they're not a full blown alcoholic, but you know, they're wondering if, man, you know, am I drinking too much or am I doing too, too much drugs? I mean, it's getting to be every day. Um, like what advice would you give to that person who's kind of on the fence and, and wondering what, where they should go or what they should do? I, you know, I, I guess I would say, you know, everybody's relationship with their, with substance, with alcohol, you know, they're going to have, it, it, it's a different relationship, but if you're, if you're starting to wonder if your relationship is potentially uh, an unhealthy one, um, put it down and see how long you can put it down before you got to pick it back up. Mm-hmm. If, uh, mm-hmm. and if, and if you tell yourself you're going to put it down and you pick it back up again, you probably got a problem, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, uh, and it's, 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 it's not a problem that can be beaten by, uh, science or a pill or will pure fucking willpower Mm -hmm. it's only it's a problem that can only be dealt with by talking with other like-minded people to get where you're coming from and get you get your struggle and can go through it with you and whether that's in the rooms of aa or fucking mosque or a church or a Mm -hmm. you know whatever Mm -hmm. you you can't do this thing alone yeah you got to reach out you got to connect with somebody you got to find somebody that can hear you and 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 
and get what you have to say. That's the hard thing is reaching out and, and connecting with someone yeah. or reaching out and asking for help. Right. Like that took me years, you know, and it was something I wasn't really even interested in. I was like, I can do this on my own, you know, but you know, reaching out was, was everything, right. you know, even if you are reaching out to strangers. Right. I mean, uh, it's really, really tough to do this thing alone. So it is. And you know, the thing I've heard, you know, you'll, you'll hear people in the rooms that have 30 years of, of sobriety and you'll, you'll hear people in the rooms that have relapsed, you know, time and time and time again, and, mm-hmm. and then end up getting 10, 15, 20 years of sobriety. And the common thread with the people that stayed versus the people that went out is the people that went out try to do it their own way and it usually involved doing it alone mm-hmm. and it, it you know and once they finally just were willing to kind of just surrender and and and, and try it somebody else's way yeah well things started you know things started cracking for sure so yeah yeah well, yeah cool. and i yeah and then the last thing like i just you know this whole uh i mean you can say you know I think it's funny, like, the preconceived notions of what AA is like before you get to AA. You know, mm-hmm. it's a fucking room full of a bunch of, you know, old fat dudes smoking cigs and, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Telling war stories. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, definitely not the case in Boulder, Colorado. For sure. Yeah, yeah. No, we've got a great community here that's been super helpful. And, uh, yeah, man. Well, thank you because you've been super helpful to me. And, um you know, you don't have years and years sober, and I have even less than that. But you know, um, it really helps just talking to, to somebody else and uh, hearing those stories and hearing any tidbits of advice you have. So, just okay. want to say thanks. For sure, man. That's you know, good. yeah, it's good uh, being able to kind of just spew my story because when I hear yeah. it out loud, it keeps me. It reminds me why uh, it can never go back to that way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just like when I kind of read you mo- the majority of my story, I'm just like, oh my God, like I'm a train wreck. Yeah. And you know, you just don't really think of it in those terms. Yeah. And uh, there's so much that you want to forget. And yeah. yeah, so it's probably good for both of us, but yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, again, like, you know, we know people that can drink in a healthy manner, can have a drink a month or two drinks a month and put it down and not think twice about it. So it's not like we're preaching complete sobriety to, to everyone, but, you know, I mean, take a look at your life and, and see see if there's a problem. If there's not a problem, I'm jealous, but, you know, <laughs> uh, if there is, just be honest with yourself and, um, yeah. So, I mean, the name of this podcast is Do Big Things, um, and, uh, you know, that can be, you know, go out and run a marathon, or that can be sit down and, and really get honest with yourself. Um, sometimes you have to do small things to do big things, but, yeah, man, either way, thanks for, for sharing your story, and hopefully it inspires somebody out there. Okay, man. Yeah, cool. All right. All right. Thanks. Thanks.